Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Dear Black Girl. I'm your host, Unique, and welcome back now. I know I said 2021, but when I first said that, I did not expect half the shit that took place to be taking place now. And there's just been so much that we felt we had to come back and talk to you guys about it. You know, with COVID still rising and racial tension still going up and so much shit just happening with black women recently we just had to have discussions about it so dear black girl welcome to the root talk yes so instead of our usual one-on-one conversations with guests which we will you know have here and there we have decided to have a few group conversations um we're going to talk to women I know personally and women I'm meeting for the very first time just talk about different things that are happening to us and affecting us within the community and we're going to keep the same format you know music's involved so I really hope you guys like this um to kick things off I actually had a conversation with three of my closest friends and we just talked about 2020 thus far like these past seven months um it's just been a lot and just how we've been like coping and dealing with it and how it's affected us and you know what music relates to it I love these three women so much they are my anchor you know sometimes when I just need someone to talk to and talk some sisters to my ass those are these are three of the women I go to and yeah, this conversation was everything because we all live in different cities, different states. Like, I'm here in New York, uh, Ebony's in Los Angeles, um, Marie's in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Marlisa's in Little Rock, Arkansas. So, it's really dope to be able to see all of us in one place, even if it's via Zoom, because I think the last time we were all together in one place was years ago. <laughs> so, I hope you enjoy this episode. How is everyone doing in this COVID season of 2020? Girl, every day a different day. I know, surviving is the best word. You know, it's a process. This is a process. Man, I feel like an old lady. Once you turn 30, things just go downhill. No, they don't. They actually don't. They're going downhill for me. That's how I feel this quarantine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This quarantine has us all just, oh, goodness. Oh, my God. Why why is quarantine how you feel? Like, everything's just going downhill. Hold on. I'm getting my setup together. (laughs) I cannot. Okay. Ebony, why does quarantine feel like it's going downhill for you? Um... You know, I don't necessarily know if it's downhill, but I think it's no one expected this to happen. So I think it's just getting your mind prepared and trying to figure out what's next. Like being in the house 24-7, it's no, you know, we used to be able to go to work and then come home or go out with your friends and then come home. But home has now become the center of everything like it's where you hang out it's where you work it's where you sleep it's where you exercise so it's been an adjustment period so did I feel in the beginning things were going downhill yes definitely but I think now I'm used to it I'm just like it is what it is I'll see everybody in 2025 (laughs) oh my god (laughs) 
Don't say 2025. I, I was gonna give it no. to like 2020, maybe 20. I was like 21. 2020. Girl, we in 2020. Right. I'm like, this is 2020. I'm gonna say 2022. Oh, okay. Originally I said 2021, but then like as it kept getting crazy, I was like, I mean, maybe a whole another year. Who knows? But hopefully not. I pray not. Um, how's COVID been for you? Marley, so I know you've been like me going to work in and out. You haven't been stuck in the house. Yeah, until this month. Yeah. <laughs> so this month was rough because it finally hit our household. And um, my husband had it first. Then he gave it to me. And that was just a mess. Yeah, but luckily, like, you're clear of it right now. Yes, thank <laughs> God. Oh my lord, that was too much. I'm just glad I had a mild case. Mine was mild, and I was still like, "Oh my gosh, what is happening?" It Did you have to much. go into the studio? No, they wouldn't let me. No, when he te- when he was showing symptoms, they kept me at home just to make sure that you know for yeah. everybody's safety. So why quarantine? <laughs> okay, I know when quarantine first started, you weren't working yet. Your residency had to start for me, and Marie was just going crazy. Like, you were telling me and Marlisa how crazy you were going. So, yes, that is accurate. So, talk about like how it started off downhill for you. It was down first, it was kind of fun because my husband was very protective of me. He wouldn't let me go to the grocery store. He got me gloves, and it was very cute to see my new husband just so hands on and caring. And then I realized I was at home all the time while he was at work and I got stir crazy. And I would call Unique constantly when I was walking outside because that was all I could do is walk outside. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. We're gonna get this virus. People don't understand that this is a virus that is real and it kills people, unfortunately. Um, So I really had to go and sit with my thoughts, meditate, um, get closer to God, and just work on goals to keep me centered. Otherwise, I don't think I would have gotten through quarantine sane and a better person. Um, Because she was trying to start so many makeshift jobs (laughs) and businesses. (laughs) I went through that phase. I understand that. Yeah. I feel like that's where I'm at right now. Like, what, what can we do? What can I do? Oh, goodness. Cause I remember I mean, you're you're telling me my mom like how you haven't like really left the house except to go for groceries. How are you staying sane? I have not left the house since um, my birthday, which was March. It was the weekend. It was March 11th. Yeah, um, I have not been anywhere since March 11th except to like go get groceries like once every two weeks. Um, I have a very strict routine honestly i wake up i make up my bed um i do a devotional i put on a ebook or a podcast i work out i eat lunch like i have a very set routine just because i need some type of structure or i will go crazy like i have to implement different things like okay i don't watch tv during this time i'll read um i'll check in on friends learn new things because sitting here will drive me insane. I'm a person who needs to stay active. Like I feel the most useful when I am active. I would rather have my plate 
runneth over than to not have anything. And yeah, that's pretty much what's kept me sane. I just have a very strict routine. Staring at a stop sign, watching people drive by, T-Mac on the radio. Got so much on your mind, nothing's really going right, looking for a ray of hope. Why did you pick this song and how does it relate to your 2020? Well, I feel like Mandisa's Overcomer was like, that became my song when uh, my dad was going through his cancer battle. And I would always listen to that. And then after he passed, I was like, you know what, we're still overcomers. Like that doesn't mean anything. And so when this came out, I mean, came about again, uh, well, not again, but COVID hit us. I was like, okay, I need like a song to go to again that will get me through. And I feel like that song is just so relevant because there's literally nothing we can do. And I feel like so many of us are people who are about being in control of our lives, how we live, we're planners, and you know, we wanna see great things for ourselves and we have expectations and goals to meet, but this like shut everything down. Like I don't care how much of a planner you are, nothing went according to what we could have planned. And so I feel like this song just helps center me and say like, you will overcome this and we're gonna get through this and you're gonna be great. So just hold on to that and just remember that. So in regards to that, like how have either Ebony or Marie, like how have you been able to like let go of like realizing that anything can happen at any given moment and it's like sometimes it feels futile to like try to plan stuff? That's a good question. Um, I feel like since my mom was diagnosed with cancer years ago um, in 2014, I kind of had that m mantra that anything could happen at any given moment. And with being busy with school all the time, it forced me to really prioritize relationships with family. So when COVID happened and having that realization hit, it didn't hit me as hard because that was kind of how I was living my life anyway. Um, but it did stop me from doing things I like to do, planning to even go on a trip anywhere down the street. You know, there was one point where they didn't want you to leave your house unless you were medical personnel or uh, worked for the police or fire department. So it didn't really um, hit me um, psychologically in a way that um, you were just stating, but it definitely just hindered my wants. But I had it, everything that I needed, which was my husband, my family was safe, but I just couldn't do those things that I wanted to do. And that's okay. I guess just to piggyback, for me, I had just moved to a new city um, and I had all of these plans. Like I knew what they looked like. I knew what I was doing. I had prayed about it. Um, but you know, they say the fastest way to make God laugh is to tell them your plans. And I had to redirect. I had to center myself. Um, luckily for me, when I got out here, um, I had people from high school, from college. My sister lived out here, which was a 
big anchor for me. Um, and we ended up finding the church home right at the end of 2019. So I feel like I have been through so much and I've overcome so much in my life with being in New York City. You, you know the things that we have like been through and it has not touched me. Um, so I just, I think more than anything, my faith got stronger just because I realized that I had to lean on the people that were closest to me and realize that, okay, there's a new plan, there's a new purpose. It doesn't look how I feel like it was going to look, but things will work out. They've always worked out. And so that's what I keep telling myself. Before March hit, how did you guys foresee your 2020 going? Before March? March is when COVID hit us and everything locked down. It was like, oh shit. We didn't eat in like February. I knew shit was going down <laughs> in January. I was going in January. going on in China? Okay, fine. Let's go back to January. In January, how did you foresee your 2020 kicking off or going? I was still positive. I had just gone to Florida. We were living it up. Went on a couple's trip. I was like, you know what? I got these trips planned. Mama's body is looking good, okay? I'm getting some new bikinis. We're going to be hitting the beach. And then I was like, psych? <laughs> yes. Um, I was supposed to go to Italy with my boo thing. Up and down the coast of Italy, eat and drink my way through there. Lose 10 pounds, gain 10 pounds. It was whatever. And it did not happen. Yeah, I, the same way. I That countdown for 2020, me and my friends, we were like, yes, this is about to be it. This is going to be great. I have reconnected with some more people out here in Los Angeles. They could have kept that counting down. They could have kept that party. Um, they could have kept it all because honestly, <laughs> I was like, I went into 2020 with all the positive. I was like, I am walking in my purpose. I'm doing this. Nobody can tell me no. Like, who's going to stop me? COVID stopped me. <laughs> COVID. Now, I will say, like, at least, uh, I mean, no, my, my choice is 20 started off with drama. Um, oh, yeah. I remember oh, that. This <laughs> But it started off with drama. I just didn't know where it was gonna go. But, <laughs> but I did have some fun ass trips lined up. Like I was supposed to go to Italy in you know February for my mom's birthday. Uh release in December with the family and Japan and Thailand for work in November. All that went all down. So I think the hardest part is to realize that our plans, we knew our plans were effed up for a month or two. But then it started to extend out. And I think my faith did go through some ups and downs. I was, me and my hubby, we started off strong. Then I started picking fights because I had nothing else to do. I was just at home. <laughs> so that kind of, you know, kept me going and also made me work a little harder for my relationship. <laughs> and also be thankful for my relationship that we are like best friends. So if I didn't have him, I don't know where I would be. So I went through ups and downs and I'm still going through that period of starting a new job, meeting new people through COVID. I can't even see their whole face. I can only see their eyes and knowing how much a smile like means to people, means to patients. It's really limited my connectedness and I, I can't hang out with everybody like I want to do. I can't go to the bar and get drinks because that's a risk. So it, it kind of, it hurts because it's going to be 
like this for a long time. So I have to constantly build my stamina, build my endurance through faith to handle our upcoming challenges. Luckily, Maria and Marlisa are married because imagine trying to date and you can only see <laughs> this finding. <laughs> no. There's no finding somebody's son during have you, this. Have you tried to date? Um, Be honest. I'm the dating. I have Netflix parties, uh, Amazon Prime parties, Hulu movie who, scenes with people. But who are attending the parties? Hello? That's why you invited us to Huh? That's why you invited us to a Netflix party? <laughs> no, 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 no. We weren't dating. I was just like, guys, let's watch a movie together. That's what we're used to. <laughs> oh, we have to talk about this offline. I was just in mind. And I was like, y'all want to watch a movie with me? <laughs> and me and Marlisa were so confused. Like, when did this idea come about? You know, I had already been doing this for months. So that's the thing. And that's the thing. You've been on it, Unique. All of this has made me feel like I'm 85 years old. I'm like, what's a Zoom? I mean, you got to have a passcode. And where do I get this? And where do I download that? It's I, too I, much. I have to and I'm like, 10 years ago, people were turning to me for technical advice. Like, I could tell you how to do anything. Now I'm asking my stepson, you know how to uh, log on to? <laughs> no, seriously. Marlisa, you not that <laughs> Yeah. It's those things on Instagram that she sends, but she's like, can you fill this out and repost? And I'm like, you need, I don't know how to do this. Like, you want me to type in this form and then put it back up? I was like, I'll share it and have other people, but I think we got. She makes me I haven't even gotten the new fonts. I'm like, where is she getting all these fonts from? I'd love to tutorial. Is that happening after this session? I just Google things, guys. But I will say like, I, the thing about the one thing I do like about COVID sounds crazy is just how it's even though everyone's like farther apart it's making everyone stop and become closer together because look y'all are completely different states and I get to talk to you guys and see your faces and hang out with you guys and do stuff when before it's just like I don't know when I'm gonna see them yeah sure so that's why I'm just like I like that's why I was like wait I can I have nothing else to do how can I like have some type of normalcy normalcy with people if I have to be isolated and alone in my house when I count all my blessings blessings I can't even be said any about is counting your blessings um and basically how her heart hurts for what's going on in the world and i just it really spoke to me because i think right now it's really important to you see everything that's going on in the news um everything that's hitting our homes um I look at Chicago and what's going on over there. And even though there's so much chaos and there's so much work to be done, um, 
I have to look around and really count my blessings. Like I have a roof over my head. Um, my family members are safe. They are healthy right now. Um, people are finding a way to navigate through this. So as much as there's so much going on and so chaotic, I consistently have to remember to count my blessings and not, um, not get too down in what's going on and things that I cannot change, especially things that I cannot change immediately. I, I feel like people that are able to continuously count their blessings without something crazy happening, that's like a blessing in themselves. Do you guys feel like you are able to do that routinely or like you feel like you only stop to count your blessings when like something transpires? One of the first things I learned about prayer is to thank God first. Thankful before you go into asking him for anything. Um, so I go about life, I think, with the same thought process in terms of, you know, it's great to love God when things are going great and, you know, everything smells like roses and peaches. But when things are sugar, honey, iced tea, are you still doing the same thing? Are you still thankful? Are you still, you know, leaning towards him? So I think that's how I kind of like look at it for me. Yeah, I agree with Ebony. I think that this pandemic caught me in a time where I realized that I was more thankful when something good happened. Like, oh my gosh, my mom just told me this good news. My family's getting blessings. You know, like we just came into a new opportunity. We just got a check. And this made me thank God like, Ooh, I still like, you know, like I was furloughed for a week. It's just a week. Whereas I have friends that were furloughed for months or don't even know if they're going to go back to a job. Just little things like, oh, Amazon Prime. Oh, you know, I have money to fill my gas tank up. Okay, we have groceries. So just little things like that it made me remember, like Ebony said, to be thankful even through the rough times and even when things aren't going my way. So it was a reminder to be like, don't forget where you came from now. You know, you're supposed to be talking to me more. You're supposed to be <laughs> thanking me more. Um, so it was a, a good, I guess, wake up call or reminder before things really got bad that, you know, like, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Ooh, child, tired of the bullshit, gone, dust your shoulders off. Keep it moving, yes, Lord. Trying to get some new shit in there, swimwear, going to the pool sheet. Come now. Dry your eyes, you know you a star, you can touch the sky I know that it's hard, but you have to try If you need advice, let me simplify If he don't love you anymore Just walk your fine ass out the door <laughs> You might hear it and think, what the heck, 2029 is hell And honestly, that's how I felt every morning I had to pump myself up and you know, my hair wasn't done, my nails looked a mess. I still wanted to feel my best. And so I wanted to keep myself up. I was working out all the time, getting more than 10,000 steps a day. Like I was really trying to fight coronavirus. It took so much for me. <laughs> so I tried to fight that with optimism. And so I thought that was the best song choice for me. But. I know it sounds crazy, but I've, I've had this conversation with uh, one of our friends, yeah, I mean, his friends from college. And even though like Corona is just like, it's having 
such a weird and negative effect for some people. It's also been like this weird ass blessing where it's think living in New York for one, stressless fuck, 24-7, nonstop stressless fuck. Like yeah. I remember I, I posed a question of like, are there bugs in New York City? Because when I went to DC, I was getting hit by all these gnats and I was just like, but are there bugs? Like I've never paid attention to small things like that because there's so much other shit happening. And with COVID in New York, it's just like, I haven't been stressed about, out about anything since March. Like, not bills, not anything. And I'm just like, that. that's rare to have living in this damn city. Yeah. So what's, like, the weird type of blessing that has came with COVID that, on your, on like, your regular way of living is just like, you're like, oh, my God. I can breathe for once. Well, for me, aside from the period that I was furloughed, I've noticed that I haven't spent as much money. Um, so I've been able to save in different aspects. But even before, I'm like, well, see, who were you spending your money on? Because it wasn't like I wasn't going to Italy. I mean, you know, I was doing a little bit here and there for me. But it's like, wow, you don't even realize, like you were saying, unique with the hustle and bustle. While I'm not in New York, I like to be occupied and keep myself busy. So all day, you know, my calendar is booked. Okay, I'm going to this event, that event. I have this speaking engagement, this event at the church. Then for work, I'm taking on these assignments. And I have to make time to do this and that and family time. And now it's slowed me down and I'm like, wow, I've just consumed my life with so much nonsense where to me, it felt like it was important. And I feel like I try to do so much that matters to other people and blessing my community and people around, but a lot of it is nonsense. And I was not taking enough time to just reflect, be in the moment, focus on Marlisa and this has definitely slowed me down. And I've realized it's good to take more moments like this because, you know, it has more benefits than one. And saving financially has really been a blessing because I'm like, okay, I mean, I could have more money in the bank account by, you know, not ripping and running all over the city. Bring on another quarantine. <laughs> no. I mean, we can we can quarantine for like two months max, but okay. And that brings up a good point. I told LA, I was like, you know, this. At, I mean, this was like a month ago. This is Marlisa a month ago talking, so I don't know where I feel what I feel about this now. But I said we should do this once a year, where we just take a month of not spending frivolously, not going anywhere cleaning out the fridge, cooking everything, you know, making a hodgepodge of meals where we just eliminate everything because we're so wasteful where, you know, we're going to the grocery store every week for what? We still have food in here that could have been put together, a struggle meal, you know? And so, um, and then I was watching an episode of Cheats, Cheapskates. Have y'all heard of that? I think it's on like TLC or something. And it was a family, this was like, maybe a decade, decade ago, but they were doing the same thing where they take a week out of the year, they just eat anything that's in the refrigerator, they recycle, they go around the house and collect loose change and the cushions and everything. And it was like, it was funny, but like, that's the move. These people know what they're doing. They were like, we're taking time out to save and eliminate frivolous things that we don't need. 
And I think that that's something that I will incorporate in the future. Maybe not a month, maybe not three months out of the year, but I can, I can do a week of just sit down somewhere. Yeah, I love that response because it forced us to look at all ways that we live. What do we think about when we first wake up? What are we doing around lunchtime, dinner, nighttime? What are we buying? Who are we talking to? Like it just made us slow down so much that we had more control over those things. Mm -hmm. So I was happy to spend time with family on Zoom and just organize family from all up and down the coast, East Coast, West Coast, and just hop on Zoom. And with my family, it's hard to get everyone together. So our last family reunion was like, it's very embarrassing. I think it's like 2012 or something. It was, it's bad because nobody wants to plan it. It's so much stress. It's this and that, but anybody can hop on a zoom. So I had my 70 year old aunt on zoom leading zooms. Okay. And we were just all together laughing. And that was such joy to me to have them in my circle, just checking on them and just saying, Hey, I love you and slowing down. I'm going back to the south. I'm going back, 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 back. When my roots ain't watered down. Growing, growing like a bob tree of life on fertile ground. My ancestor put me on game. Long charm on gold chains. With my old shoon energy. Okay, so you all know during the pandemic, the racial injustice that we've all known of, we've lived through our entire lives came to the forefront for um, our non-people of color peers. And because this came in the midst of already dealing with the pandemic and for work purposes, I have not had the luxury of being able to step away as much as a lot of my friends and family have done. And I think that took a big toll on me because I had to stay up to date. I had to regurgitate these facts every single day. There was no looking away for me. And so I was already at a, almost a breaking point. And because of my uh, the staff that I work with, I'm the youngest. And so for health reasons, there was one of my colleagues that could not come into the station because they wanted to keep him safe. So I took on the burden of being the only one that had to come in five days a week. And I was, I won't say I was doing the most work, but it felt like I was doing so much more work and having to see and be exposed to this, having to interview people who, I mean, hours before jumping on a call with me, they had just said their final farewell to their loved ones. And so I was already breaking from COVID. Then the racial injustices started being exposed. And it was like, I, I don't know why it hit me so hard because like I said, this is no secret. I mean, you know, I've been going through this for decades. We've been exposed to that. We know this has been happening because it happens to us. And so when it happened and so many people were just like, wow, I have, what can I do to help? What can I? And I was just getting so frustrated because I'm like, growing up our history books, so much we've learned on our own. So you need to Google you need to go to the library. You need to get a couple of eBooks and do the same thing I've been doing for the past three decades and teaching myself my own history that y'all tried to take away from us. And so 
when so many of these artists started coming out with like black empowerment songs, I just felt so much stronger because after the pandemic hit and then this hit, I was just like, I can't take any more. But the songs that started coming out and so Black Parade was one of my favorite. Like when I'm walking down the street, I know people are looking at me when I'm getting my exit, like, what is this girl doing? Girl, I'm feeling it. I'm like, listen, I've always felt confident and a strong black woman, but this just made me feel like I know I am a 10, okay? You all wish you had half of what I have when I bring this into the room. And so um, that just like really kind of upped my spirits yeah. during all of this. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that song came out a good time because I was losing my mind at work. <laughs> Like, I I legit hit a breaking point in the middle of my job um, because it was, like, nonstop news, nonstop recording, nonstop airing what people were saying. And then, like, the only sanity I had was, like, not watching any of those videos. You know, when I had to actually sit there and record the audio of what transpired in one of those videos, like, I lost my shit. Like, I just started crying at work. Like, I, I couldn't do it. I really couldn't do it. So, that, it was, it was a lot. Like, it was, it was just like, I mean, COVID was happening. But it, it was like this, it was this on top of COVID. Like, it was just, it was just too emotional. And it was like, mm. But I would say, like, you said, like you said, that song, that song made me happy. Um, mm -hmm. That song, I don't know, it sparked creativity for me. And that's one of my favorite songs too. Like when it came out for like two weeks, I played it nonstop. I haven't played it like that since then. But yeah. yeah, I haven't played it as much as I want to. I think I played it a lot when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I just kept, there, there was still a struggle to like keep moving, keep moving. And I just lost sight of that song, but I loved it at the time for reasons, Marlisa, that you mentioned. And even like yesterday before working out, when I was getting dressed, I played Beyonce. It was just that serious, okay? Things were gonna go down. I needed my girl's motivation. I needed to be more confident. And I ran, I was singing. People were looking at me kind of crazy. I'm like, yes, hello to you too. And you know, it was a fabulous workout. I went into work feeling amazing and confident and not letting anything um, break me down, so. Um, I love songs like that where I can turn to. Yesterday, a man stepped to me, said, How can you smile when your world is crumbling down? I said, In my secret, when I wanna cry, I take a look around and I see that I'm getting by and I hold on. Oh, that's my jam. Old school. Old. Um, <laughs> I think I got reintroduced to it during this pandemic. It's one of those songs that, you know, you like, and when you just put on shuffle, it popped up. And I was just like, if a song ever needed to play, it oh, was this one. I say it right now. <laughs> song <I> love. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my neighbors, if they could see inside, they were like, what is this girl doing? Because when I tell you it was a dance break, in here um it's just one of those songs that make you feel good and it also just talks about um regardless of what is going on just hold on things are going to get better and I think that that is 
shoot, that's a testimony because it's like 2020 has been crazy. As you know, I, you know, I moved to a new city. Um, I had saved up. I thought I had done everything right. Um, I knew I was going to get a job. I had no doubt about it. I was confident in that. I was like, I had the experience and then COVID hit and I had a really hard time transitioning into, you know, I had a big birthday in March and right after that birthday, it was like everything started happening. We had death after death after death in the family. Um, I was getting calls about um, family members being in the hospital, close friends getting sick. So it was just a very like down time. And that song came on. And when I feel like I'm just getting in the rut, I put that on and I have a little dance break. We got to dance it out. We got to figure it out. Um, but that is like my go-to song during this 2020 uh, year. Man, I, I love that you said that, Ebony, because I grew up on that song. I yeah. feel like growing up in a house with like three other siblings and two dogs and just a mad house, it was always a struggle. So <laughs> we would just dance break all the time to Sounds of Blackness, hold on. Till this day, if you play it, we're going to be like, what? I feel like that is a Black anthem. Like people forget about that. I'm just like, yes. you put on that song. Yes, changes coming. For the mm -hmm. longest, I didn't know it was a gospel song until like recently when I was working in like uh, this gospel radio station and it came on and like they played it and I was like, wait, this is a gospel song? The entire time I thought, I thought it was a regular R&B song. <laughs> I love this song. And I'm just sitting here like, why is, why is, wait, what, what? Just like I didn't know uh, Yolanda Adams and I Open My Heart was a gospel song, I thought it was a regular R&B song she was singing about some guy. That's what I really thought. Yolanda <laughs> Adams and went secular. Lord. First of all, <laughs> we had to be like, what, nine or eight years old when that song first came out. So like, in my, I knew she made gospel music, but I just thought that was one of them, you know, here's a quick R&B song. Like, I mean, Kelly Price started out in R&B and then she became gospel. I thought it was one of those, so. The sounds of blackness in my adulthood, I realized that was a gospel song. I just thought <laughs> a jamming ass like <laughs> RB song. <laughs> <Or> do better. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh gosh. It's oh, okay. God knows your heart, girl. <laughs> God, God, God knows. <laughs> God knows my heart. <laughs> we don't know it half the time, but he sure know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We never know. We never know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> How have you seen, like, your industry warp? Like, I know, like, for media, um, when this shit's over, it's going to look crazy. Trying to find a job. Same with music and entertainment. How is that looking, like, in the health field, though? It's interesting. Um, I haven't thought about it because... I think everyone's realized how little money is poured into infrastructure that we need right now, like public health. And it's led to the devastating impact of thousands of Americans who died. I think from a perspective of the hospital and jobs, you can't get a job right now unless you're a nurse or a respiratory therapist or someone that's going to help out with coronavirus patients. 
So if you're just like a healthcare administration, those jobs are very hard to find because hospitals have lost money from elective surgeries that were canceled because of COVID. So hospitals have took a huge hit. So they are going to try to recover and how they're going to recover from that devastating impact is beyond me. I don't know what strategies they have to um, get more money, whether it's doing more surgeries or I, I really don't know. Uh, Marley, so what about in the news media realm? Well, I think it's definitely gonna affect pay scales from here on out because we've seen you don't need to invest millions of dollars in beautiful television stations anymore when you can have people. It was already changing when the whole one-man band and multimedia journalist terms started popping up where they send you out with a backpack and you have your camera, small camera, no more big camera on your shoulder, tiny tripod if you even use a tripod. That was already changing years ago. And now they know everyone has internet in their home. You can send somebody to work out of their home, work out of a truck, which people have already been doing um, yeah. for years. And they don't need to be in this station. So why are we spending money on keeping lights on? My station just paid for a brand new studio one year ago. And I know they're like, what? is about to happen. We just spent all this money on the studio and only one of us can be in the studio at a time right now. Now that will change. So what it'll look like in a year, I don't know. But so many of us are, we're on a rotation where one person's in the studio, the other two of us are broadcasting from home. And then our reporters at their house recording something to send in for the show. So with that being said, I think that pay cuts will definitely be made. We probably won't need as many people anymore. You're not going to see four anchor morning shows anymore. We don't need all the people that we've traditionally seen. So I definitely think it's going to change even more. And what it'll look like, I don't know. We don't even know what tomorrow looks like. It's so hard to predict. It really is. And like, after thinking a little bit more with healthcare, it made me think of people that I know close to me that are in the healthcare industry that are older and they're thinking about getting out of it. They are tired, they're scared, they're frustrated. They felt like they paid their dues already spending more than 20 years in healthcare. And they're one of the highest, they're people at the highest risk for coronavirus. So a lot of older people that work in the healthcare industry are just, Shopping deuces. Yeah, just bowing down gracefully. Um, and some physicians have committed suicide. Oh yeah, there was one in New York. Um, she she did that. She was like the top physician in New York City. Yeah, she was an emergency medicine physician and God bless her life, but that's only one person that we heard about on the media. And yeah. we know if there's one, there's many more. So right. it's, it's gonna be devastating and a lot of people are gonna have PTSD from caring for coronavirus patients that are very ill. Mm -hmm. It is a, it is, it is challenging. It's very challenging. On the healthcare note, I know, I'm presuming this is happening across the country, but I know here in Arkansas, they had put in an executive order to kind of push through uh, nursing students to basically like skip levels that other people had traditionally done before they got to work in a professional medical facility 
And so I wonder as a person who seeks care, what that means, because I mean, you didn't skip a couple of years, sis. Can I trust you to do what you need to do? I know that we need the hands on, but that concerns me. Yeah, that is a concern. And it's a valid concern that they were doing that, I think in New York and other hotspots yeah. that were crashing. And they were doing that with medical students too. Like, hey, you guys have already completed a lot of requirements. You can step up if you want. Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those people because even though I've learned a lot, I valued my time just mm -hmm. sitting for a while before I was so busy with residency and I have to protect my husband whose health matters to me. So I didn't want to expose him to coronavirus early, but I think it's a devastating times cause for, you know, very extreme measures. And that was an extreme measure. Yeah. And who knows if that will have to be in place again. Oh, like fall. I pray not. I pray not. Because I can't, I can't see another more videos of bodies being thrown on trucks. It might happen, you guys. Just prepare. I'm just letting yeah. you guys know. Is there another wave that. coming later on this year? Do they know for sure there is? Because it's going to be that coupled with the flu. Yeah. It's be two of those together. Yeah. I've heard a lot of industries have like changed their ways. One of my friends who's studying to be a principal, like the tests that they have to take, um, they're getting some leniency in that. People who are studying for the bar exam. Um, it's just like so many different things that are changing right now because nobody knew that COVID was going to happen. So I'm very interested to see in a couple of years how that's going to look with them just kind of like allowing people to go through. through yeah scary as fuck absolutely um like i know like in our industry like so many people have been furloughed in radio so many people and then they're also realizing like at our radio station there's probably like three of us in here at a time and it's three of us running one person per station like during this set time of day keeping the entire station afloat so it's just like, do we, it's, it's one of those things like, do you really need all these people to like make a radio station work? And it's especially like with the sales department, it's like, they can just stay home. Do we really need outside of like just the studios? Do we really need anything else? Yeah. Like need these office spaces? Can't they just do stuff from home? And there's already been pay cuts, um, furloughs and trying to stay afloat with no, with, little to no advertising and i guess you get to see like how big advertising is for certain like media industries like interesting to see how like other businesses are tied into certain industries to keep them afloat absolutely it's yeah. going to look different even the like the establishments where you know people would go into an office that's definitely going to change that is such a big deal for a lot of companies and now that they see that they can um run without it I can definitely imagine um, a lot of people saying, we're not going to go back into the office. We've figured out a way to make it work from home. We're going to slash that um, cost as well as they're going to slash some other people's salaries as well. Um, yeah. And I honestly thought the recession we graduated in was terrible. <laughs> this, this, Listen. this, this, my past is that. <laughs> like, I thought it was, hell on earth trying to find a job outside of out of college like that shit took a while like there 
and just to see like what they were trying to pay people to do like multiple jobs I like it that still hasn't been fixed so like now when this is over to see how little they're about to pay people to do multiple jobs that should be way more and how difficult it's going to be to try to get a job because like now there's less and less people being allowed in certain industries bruh it's a mess it is a mess my and question is oh sorry marie go ahead my question is so when we file for 2020 taxes is this a write-off because this has become our office great question that's a good question checks for wi-fi or the light bill right that's that's a really good question i don't know (laughs) no and like this this made me think about how industries realize who can stay home you know what what this office space is valuable but on the other end it made people realize how much their work community was valuable for them like when they get that break from home and they can go and see their work and their coworkers, like that all facilitates connectedness. And once one is slashed, like you, you feel less whole as a person, like to be stable, you have your friends, your family, you have your workspace, you have your spiritual space and that workspace is very vital. And so people that have unstable homes, I pray for them because they are at home constantly now. Especially the kids in schools, like where school was their sanctuary. I, I pray for them. I don't know what it's like. And I will never say I know how hard it is because I don't. But I right. pray for those people. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting because this guy was telling me like, you never notice how like, how important like that commute to work, mm-hmm. work that I commute back home, even if that's all you do, that just kept you sane. So like if you don't have that, it's just like you're staring at four walls, like just trying to keep it together. Yeah. And I feel like everybody's trying to keep it together so much that we people are starting to figure out how it goes, but connecting with those friends that, you know, are the strong friends or the friends that you didn't necessarily um you saw at work that you didn't have to talk to every day, people who are suffering in silence. Um, there are so many people who aren't used to this, who need that outside interaction, who aren't getting it. And it's that mental health, I should say, that um, people aren't really receiving that help that they need. Um, That's what I'm worried about when we look back at 2020. You're seeing a lot of suicides. You're seeing a lot of people not being able to deal with um, being alone, the isolation. Um, we've all, you know, had moments where it's been hard and difficult, but for the people that really can't withstand that, I just, you know, pray for them. Absolutely. I have no, yeah, no words. Yeah, it's hard. Okay. On a lighter note, did you guys see on Twitter what was trending with Kanye and Kim? Kanye batshit crazy doll. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Yes, but did you see? I think it was yesterday. I've been on nights, so I kind of wake up and I'm, you know, not in my mind. But I think she made a comment about him being bipolar and how it's hard, and him saying that he wanted to run for presidency was, you know, a manifestation of such. And about that, I I, remember. so this is why the Kanye thing is sad. So like there, there's two videos. The first video I saw was 
when the Harriet Tubman video and the homegirl was like, okay, we got to leave now. That's the first video I saw and I started dying of laughter because like that's a natural reaction. The second video I saw was when he broke down and cried. Talking about his mother and his father and the other. And then just seeing that, I'm just like, yo, this is bad. Like, he's beyond broken. And even if he goes to therapy, he said he's been going to therapy. I think he's just so far gone and took so long to get help that I just don't know, like, what's going to be able to bring him back unless he's committed at this point. And someone said, like, him being bipolar, because, like, he's been saying some off-the-wall shit, anti-Black shit, um, misogynistic shit. And someone made a valid point, like, you being bipolar isn't an excuse for those beliefs and those treatments of people. Like, by, by being bipolar doesn't make you feel that way. It just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Kanye's just crazy. It's it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I saw some of the videos too. Um, mainly the one where he was very dismissive to that black girl and then the and then he hugged the other girl on stage and I was just I like, the same wow, shit. I'm gonna slide up out of this conversation right now because Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I think about he lost it since he lost his mom. He ain't been right since he lost his mom. Yeah. I think his mom was his anchor. That was his foundation. And once he lost that anchor, he's just it just seems like he's just been floating. And I don't know, you just gotta wish him wish him the best. Cause it's like, it's it's hard. And, and you see it like I, I feel like what after he lost his mother, the people around him did not make sure that he got the help and support that he should have had when right. that shit happened. They just let him continue to float until he just float all the way out to sea by himself and it's like they can't bring him back but I was like you guys were just there to be around in the fame and that's that's a dangerous thing to like have people around you that aren't there for your well-being they're there for what you can provide for them and right. like so like when so when something like that hits and everyone's just like no one's really there checking to make sure you're good making sure you're mentally strong making sure that you can continue to go if you just look like you can continue to go or you're still functioning they're like hey fuck it we still here we're still partying and that's what he has around him like he's in a whole fucking compound with those people surrounding him like yeah when i heard all that i i'm thankful that kim kardashian spoke so well and eloquently about it but then again it made us think about who gets passes in the world and who doesn't who can just say whatever they want and it's fine versus the other person dragged him out the house <laughs> i'm serious like i'm not about i'm if i was his wife and she chose to handle it the way she handled it but if you if you're talking about divorcing me attempting to kill our child instead of other i'm dragging you by your neck out the house and throwing you into did he really yeah. talked about that the abortion situation that was going on and how he almost allowed poor kim to basically have an abortion and kill more so and, and, and then he talked about wanting to divorce her for meeting with meek mill about prison reform that's what he put in quotation prison reform and but weren't there rumors that she was trying to divorce him girl i don't know that's or, it's, it's a mess. I'm sorry. I bought it. I bought it up. <laughs> it's a process over right? there. Yeah. Someone's brought it to my attention. Like, I feel like the reason, like, she's able to handle and stay in it so long, because they don't live together. Like. Oh, they don't. 
he lives in like Chicago, Wyoming. Now he's in Wyoming, but they're like if if they were in the same house and she had to deal with this every day, I feel like her response would be completely different. But because she's not in, he's not in her face with it all the time. That's the response she gets. I'm interested what's going to happen at the end because. I've always been skeptical about these Kardashians and what they wanted out of the men that they're with. And I'll just leave it at that. It has to be said. <laughs> so ladies who are married, who <laughs> is married life during this quarantine? Yes. Oh, I think Marlisa, we had some talks this quarantine about married life. Yeah. It's been interesting. It has been there's been a learning curve because it's kind of like, I mean, in any relationship where your goal is to continue to get to know the person over the years, that the same thing is happening. But whereas we learned how to work best with each other based off of our schedules, all of that came to a halt because, you know, we had our groove of a good chunk of the day. We didn't see each other. And not that that was a, good thing because when that was happening I'm like oh, I only get to see you for a few hours at night and it sucks and then it's like I get to see you all the time okay this is a little much so it's I mean it's just been a wave but I think over the course of so many months we have adapted and learned what works for us you know when to have our alone time making sure that we determine where our spaces are um and that's your space i don't bother you when you're in that space you know we come back together it's it's good now but it took a little minute to get there because you know we all have our schedules and we're busy and we're ripping and running so when we were seeing each other it was great and then you're around that person all the time yeah that's not healthy yeah, yeah. i echo what marlisa said and it was a groove getting into the fact that my husband was still at work because he works in hospital administration. So everything was okay. And then he would stay home for a little bit because they were being more cautious with exposure. And I was so happy to have him home. Uh, but then coronavirus started getting really bad. And then I started wanting more outlets that were physical, you know. <laughs> And he was dealing with coronavirus in his own way, and my way was different than his, so we had to find a groove there. I love it. That's the outlet. What is the look? What is the look? Okay, yes. All right, girl folks. Okay. You know, you know, so we had to find our own groove. <laughs> oh goodness the outlet over here is work out okay oh, you, you know when you're married it's like come on god brought us together for a reason didn't he <laughs> <laughs> wow so we had those conversations but he's always been my solid crown my pillow my foundation like he's he's been great um but we always have our ups and downs and i appreciate them because we grow from it and we talk about things i ask him how he's doing especially through the Ahmaud Aubrey, brianna taylor george floyd it was important to ask our black men how are you doing 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I was cooking one day and I actually just asked him, I was like, I ask him all the time, but this one, this time I was more intentional. I was like, how are you doing, honey? And he just told me, I'm not doing good at all. I'm not, this is a horrible day. And we just sat and talked about things. And I mean, it broke my heart because he's a black man, but also I had to step up as my role as his wife and support him. And even though he was hurting, I had to be there. But also as a black woman, I'm also hurting. Brianna, everyone forgets about Brianna Taylor. And I had to talk to him about that too. Like, like honey, I'm, I'm your wife. And also I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. And he had to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I was so consumed with all that I was dealing with mm-hmm. that I, he didn't forget I was black, but. I forgot that you were hurting. Yeah. And so, and, and it's just having that open communication with him that serves us well all the time. But, you know, we, we are our own support system, both of us. So it's been, it's been great. And yeah, all. That's a whole nother topic. I know. <laughs> I know. That, that whole outlook of the strong yeah. black woman, woo, to unpack that. Well, really quickly, I think that we have taken on the persona over generations and generations and generations of being so strong because we are the glue that holds our families together and we can go out and do anything and we can go get that job and just like we're taking advantage of in the workplace sometimes it can happen in the home and to Marie's point the same thing happened when uh, my husband and I both got coronavirus and we were quarantined in the house because it was he had it first and so I was like you go to the guest room I'm going to stay in here and then I had it and his was a little more, we both had mild cases, but his was a little more mild than mine. And he's been used to being at home. I am on the go at all times. I don't like sitting in the house. So for me being quarantined, I was like going crazy. And I felt like he was not checking on me as much as I was showing my concern for him. But because we're so strong, people don't ever think, like Marie was saying, like, did you forget that I need a little attention? Or maybe sometimes you can check on me too, or bring me something to drink, some dinner. And so when I was telling him, I was like, I like I literally had to be like, I am not okay. And he was like, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, just because I'm not throwing a fit, crying on the floor, tearing stuff up, popping pills or something, that doesn't mean that yeah. everything is okay. And I don't think that you should have to do all of that to show someone like, I'm not acting like myself. I I don't know what it is that I need, but I need something. Sometimes I think women, we can, we are good at multitasking while men sometimes struggle. Mm-hmm. They struggled through this time like no other so one of one of my male homeboys he texted me he's like hey i just wanted to check to see if like you're okay and i literally replied like oh my god like i almost cried because like no one does that no one checks their tech checks no one texts or really checks in on their black female friend wife girlfriend whatever to make sure like they're mentally okay yeah no they don't 
it's that stigma it's that that strong stigma that we have it's just like why can't black women be vulnerable why can't we be soft why do we have to basically put the world on our shoulders like we're walking around carrying our family um our men it's just it's in our sisters um it's like who has our back i'm like my sister has my back where is where are the men in this and i'm not talking about like you know my actual sister but i'm just saying like where are where are where's the rest of us when when we are broken when we need some help when we need somebody to carry us where are you and i think a lot of times people forget that so it's a lot it's a lot to unpack it's it's a process and that's all the time we have actually that was a perfect segue into our next topic of discussion with a whole new group of women um we will be discussing the stereotype slash ideology however you want to phrase it of the strong black woman and lord like ebony said that's a lot to unravel um, but before we go, you know, we always have to drop our Dear Black Girl open letter. So this one's for you. Dear Black Girl, you are God's greatest creation. The slight touch of your fingertips can heal the world. You are a sight to behold. With a vibe so raw, nothing but love pours over you. You are visible and you are more than worthy of all this praise. Never forget how godly and beautiful you are. You radiate divine energy, for you are God's love and man's prayer in the flesh. Signed, your fellow black girl.